I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm going to start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research department. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you can help me out. Beep, 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 honk, honk, honk. Hey, get out of the way. I'm trying to have a death race over here. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus oh, Predator. Good stuff. The only podcast that I'm aware of about Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, and, well, Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm. My name is Eric Anderson. And my name is Jeremy Anderson. You know, Eric, I got to tell you this uh, before we get too far into the episode. My girlfriend just now realized mm-hmm. when she... I, I overheard my girlfriend telling someone else about our podcast, which is an interesting experience, hearing like what she... <laughs> okay. How she would describe it to someone. And she was like, you know, they do, this, they do this podcast and it's about Paul Thomas Anderson. And it's about Wes Anderson. And then it's about some guy named paul <laughs> wes anderson <laughs> and the fact that ws kind of sa- is like paul wes anderson made me laugh so hard that there's a guy out yeah. there named paul wes anderson <laughs> <laughs> you would think that that guy would be like amazing because it's you know the combination mm-hmm. of a paul ws and a pta yeah, yeah. He's not not but, amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, I will say he's not. You know, I don't mean that. To, I don't mean to rag on uh, Paul W.S. Anderson so so early in the episode. But uh, no. especially after know. this yeah. movie, I will say that. Like after this movie, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I will I will have issues with Paul W.S. Anderson again. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to have big time issues, I'm sure, with it, any one of these movies coming up. But this isn't just this isn't one of them. I do not think that this is a bad movie necessarily. I don't think it's a bad movie either. I think it's, uh, I will say, I don't know that this movie is for me necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's like one of those movies where I'm like, yeah, I think, you know, if I, it's one of those movies that kind of like gives you exactly what they're selling. You know yes. what I mean? Like a wholesale, uh, yeah. Yeah, just even just the name, Death Race. You're right. like, well, yeah, this is exactly what this movie should be. Mm-hmm. Um, Not unlike yeah. Alien versus Predator, which gave you exactly <laughs> what you thought. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Death Race, by the way, it's the most video game movie not based on a video game. Like, this is a video game movie, right? Like, this is yeah. a video game. I, I just watched a two-hour-long video game that's not based on any actual video game so i'm trying to look up um which by the way this movie has there been this has definitely happened there's there's video games based on movies right there's video games based on movies a ton of them yeah Right. Okay. Yeah. I just immediately remembered, like, oh, there's probably like a Quidditch game, and like, uh, oh, sure. Yeah. There's obviously Star Wars games and things like that. So yeah, dumb question. But I was uh, trying to. I'm trying to figure out. So there's a certain point in time. So this movie came out in '08, mm-hmm. um, and there are two things that I think this movie has going for it during that time period. Is we are. We're kind of in Fast and Furious fever still. I mean, there's three three of those movies. Tokyo Drift had come out two years before this movie. Right. Uh, we're coming up on Fast and Furious. Uh-huh. And 
Crank had come out in 2006. So we're kind oh, of wow. like the action he- the action heads kind of have uh, Statham fever. Right. So I feel like this is sort of an obvious, like, uh, you know, whoever produced this uh, was like, oh, yeah, this will be... I mean, I mean, this is a combination of everything that's hot right now in the uh, in the action world. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I mean, arguably, Fast and the Furious is has been hot forever. It it's never died out. Like people still go gaga for those for those Fast and the Furious movies. Um, Statham, you know, Crank, I think is like what that must be like the high water mark for Statham, right? Isn't Crank like supposed to be like an actually really good action movie? Uh, coming off the transporter. I mean, I know Statham has done a bunch of trash also, but I, I, for some reason, I feel like people really stand by Crank as being like, it's a good premise, and they like Statham in it. Um, so yeah, you know what's interesting, Eric? I, I was a huge Jason Statham fan before all of his action movie stuff even started, because he was in those Guy Ritchie films. He was in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and he was right. also in Snatch, but he wasn't an action right. star. He was like he was like a cool British crime guy. Like, not not like the, the, the Jason Statham we know today, who, by the way, Statham's in those Fast and Furious movies now. So, oh. yeah, it, it really makes a lot of sense. Like, you can kind of see the, the, the trajectory from even as far back as uh, 08 here with old Death Race. Um, but yeah, again, like I I just I watched this movie. I'm not going to say I had a great time with it. Like yeah. I I you know, but I I definitely was like, you know what? This is exactly as advertised. This is exactly like what I would want from this thing. I feel like he's already he's already shot enough car shit and shopping to be pretty good yeah. at doing car action. And, right. and and the performances aren't like terrible and i actually thought the premise was pretty good like i thought like yeah like i get it <laughs> it's a very 2008 kind of premise but i get it and it and the twists and turns in it like i i kind of appreciated i think uh i think tyrese gibson who's also a fast and the furious guy like uh He's he's re- he's really good in the in the movie, and I mean really good. I mean he's he's pretty good, <laughs> you know. And uh, and yeah, I think like overall, if I was a if I was a different kind of guy, you know, a guy like who wore a Monster Energy drink hat, <laughs> and like had a brother who was in the army, you know, like if right. I was that guy, I would really like Death Race. Um, did it? Did any part of this movie make you want to watch Death Race two thousand? No, there's a I I did was unaware that there is a Death Race 2000. It's Ron Howard of all people. D- d- really? Uh, I thought I thought wait, no, no it's not. I thought it was. Sorry. I thought Ron Howard directed something called Death Race, but it, it's a Roger Corman movie. My bad, my bad. Yeah, but it is uh David Carradine Death Race 2000. Yeah, this this made me kind of want to look at that old that old Roger Corman movie and see how that was. Um, because I bet it's like got a little less, uh, CG and stuff in it, but I don't know. You know I'll, I'll probably not. Oh yeah. So I'm sorry. Ron Howard directed a movie called Grand Theft Auto back in the okay. day. And it was also for, uh, no, it was for Ron. Yeah. I'm talking out of school here a little bit, but yeah. Anyways, maybe kind of want to watch that old, that old Death Race 2000 movie, but probably I won't do it. 
Yeah, I think you know, I this is a movie that I could see like, uh, uh, and this is not. Uh, I don't mean this to to be an insult at all, but a movie that like I would have gone to see like with a bunch of buddies for like someone's like uh twelve like twelfth birthday party or something. Right. And had a blast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool. I think that there there's something um, you know, we we've been kinda hard on Paul W. S. Anderson for good reason on some of these movies. But I do think with this one, uh I think Mortal Kombat, I think uh there's gotta be another one that we've watched. Maybe the Resident Evil one that we watched are movies that are like, I think a little bit more in his realm of like, again, don't mean this to be an insult, but like teenage boy action films. (laughs) Like, yeah, uh, I don't even know how that could be insulting. That's what they are. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, sometimes when you say something's for kids or whatever, but he, uh, um, because I'm looking at this still uh, on IMDb. It's a great behind-the-scenes shot of like him talking to Statham on some bleachers, uh, uh-huh. and he's got like ear like they're they're obviously between takes and stuff. He's got the headphones on around his neck and stuff, and he's just kind of leaned back in this like Black Sabbath T-shirt and these like black sunglasses. And I'm like, yeah, dude, Paul W. S. Anderson is like, I like no guys like this. Yeah. You know, and he's just one of the, he's one of those guys, but he like makes movies is like his job. And he, I, I think he's, I, I don't think he's bad at it. I'll say that. I think, I, you know, in retrospect, uh, I, I do think, uh, what's it called? Event Horizon is really bad. I think Soldier yeah. is like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> but I do think with the, those exceptions, he's like, trying and i think he's obviously like succeeding in some ways um oh he's so he's yeah. a big time money maker for sure here's what i'll say about paul ws anderson here's my take that I'm, I'm still gonna i'm still developing and i'll keep developing over the course of this podcast but my take on him is very close to yours i think he's not bad at what he does i think he's just incredibly uninspired like that's that's his problem to me is that he just doesn't have a good take like, he kind of just c- copies what other people do a little bit. Like, for example, the Fast and the Furious movies, i they're not for me either, but I do think those are inspired. Like, I think those are like a higher caliber than this. This, to me, feels like a cheap knockoff of a Fast and Furious movie. Does that kind of make sense? It's like, it's like he kind of yeah, just yeah. does what other people kind of do better and with more uh with more like craft and gravitas and like you know not that the fast and furious movies are like high art cinema but they're like they've captured the hearts and minds of so many people and he does that but just on like a little bit of a less scale and i think it's just almost yeah like he wants to like one up those things like you've got like oh fast and the furious how about a death race or uh <laughs> alien how about alien versus predator like yeah. he's almost trying to or he's evil like up the how about resident evil <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 no i agree yeah. with you i agree that he that in his mind that's probably what he's doing but i think his output ends up being just like kind of a crappy version of that like Again, not not have not been hooked on those Fast and Furious movies yet. I know at some point I'll watch them. I've heard great things, but have yet to like really dive into that series. Um, 
That being said, I know them from enough people who love film have told me like these movies are really good. They're like as good as those Marvel movies. Good. And they're that kind of caliber action. From what I can tell, these are like those except like made for TV versions. Like Death Race doesn't feel like a movie that that hit theaters. I'm sure it did, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like a movie that came straight to DVD a little bit. So, I mean, that to me is my working take on Paul W.S. Anderson is that he's just like a little bit uninspired. Like he just doesn't quite have a good... And it's probably why he makes so many video game movies or like this, which is a remake of another movie. It's because he doesn't have like that many great ideas but i don't know we'll see my my take might change as as time goes on but yeah like it's it's funny when we watch his movies right up next to paul thomas anderson movies and wes anderson movies they might be the most inspired directors ever to live like they're like (laughs) they're the most creative and have the most ideas you know like they're they're idea factories uh, yeah. So it's really funny or it's interesting watching his movies up next to theirs because, yeah, I mean, it doesn't get any more like original than a, something like A Life Aquatic, right? That like, if you right. like it or hate it, that is like one of the most original films ever made. Whereas this, it's like a remake and kind of like Fast and the Furious and... You know what I mean? It's like, it's and, and it's like also not that good. It's, it's okay. You know, it's like that. that to me is... Paul W. in a nutshell. It's just okay. <laughs> so I was unaware that this is a remake of any kind, but uh, apparently, so uh, 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 following the success of Alien vs. Predator, uh, Anderson revealed he was directing a remake of Death Race. Uh, and he said, it's not a straight remake at all. The first movie was an Across America race. This will be an Around the World race. And it's set further in the future, so the cars are even more futuristic. So you've got cars with rockets, machine guns, force fields, cars that can split apart and reform, a bit like Transformers, cars that become invisible. Uh, so... I guess uh, besides the around the world part, that's still that's pretty much what it is. I I, I guess I, I am kind of um I I think I I I'd imagine I don't know I I don't know if this is like the kind of movie that I I would like this premise as much if it was done in seventy five. I don't know uh, much of. What else has Roger Corman done, I guess? Oh, dude, yeah. There's lots of documentaries and stuff you can look up about Roger Corman, but basically, Roger Corman is a producer. He's a guy who makes trash, essentially. Oh, all right. He's from the 70s. He got all of our fa- our favorite directors their start. So, okay. like, if you go look at, for example, uh, let's look at uh, Martin Scorsese, right? So, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese... I don't know if you've ever looked up, like, what is Martin Scorsese's very first movie? <laughs> Have you looked it up? No. It's called, and let me let me, let me just totally make sure, because I've been wrong twice now on this podcast, and I want to just make sure I'm not, like, freaking just bl- blabbing out of school here, but I believe it's a movie, as my computer is, like, coming to a screeching halt, uh, internet-wise. I believe it's a movie called Boxcar Bertha. 
Okay. That's the name of the movie. That's that's uh, the great Martin Scorsese for you know known for doing films such as Taxi Driver and you know Coon Dune. Uh, uh-huh. His ve- okay, so it's not his very first movie. Uh, he did a bunch of shorts and documentaries first, but his first feature-length film before Mean Streets is called Boxcar Bertha. And it's in 1972. And it, I believe if you look at the... I believe if you look at who produced that film, you'll see that it's Roger Corman. So he's like that guy. He's like, he's like I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a chance. I'll give you money, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you can, uh, and you can make this film for me. But it's going to play at, you know, drive-in movies. Yeah, produced by Roger Corman. Uh, if you look at Francis Ford Coppola, I believe his first movie is something like... Let's just take a look here. It is... Okay. Uh, Tonight for sure is the name of it, but... Uh, his next one's called Dementia 13, produced by Roger Corman. So, yeah. Basically, the guy, the guy, sna- he, all throughout the 70s, he took aspiring filmmakers who had a lot of talent and promise, and he gave them a little bit of a budget, and he said, go make this garbage. And they're all garbage, by the way, all these movies. And uh, and I'll put it out in my like little for like teens, like it was like back in the, the big boom of like the midnight matinees and the double features and like the... The uh, the drive-in movies uh, boom in America, and uh, yeah, he was he's like an iconic kind of like trash artist. That's how I would describe Roger Corman. So um, so yeah, but you should definitely like read the book uh, Easy Easy Tigers to Raging Bulls or watch the documentary Easy Tigers to Raging Bulls. It tells it talks all about the films of the seventies. And all and like and it always and like that whole generation starts with Roger Corman, like him right. him making okay. stuff. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's cool. I, think I read that. I read that uh, a long time ago. Um, yeah, that book's insane. Yeah, uh, it's great, and it's a great. Yeah. It's even it's even a cooler documentary. I think if you ever watch if you ever want to watch the documentary, it's really good. But no, nah, I don't like movies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, you know, this is that kind of like thing, right? It's like uh, that kind of. It has that DNA in it. It's it's pulpy. It's it's action comedy. You know, uh, 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 models, uh, supermodels with big breasts. You know, uh, action stars with uh, with like ripped abs and and uh, you know, telling that kind of story. That kind of like high testosterone, high octane sort of story. But also, Roger Corman was known for just like you know, wanting to make a quick buck. He would oftentimes recycle footage from other movies and just put it in other movies just to get pad out the time. And like, (laughs) he was like, he's all about just making whatever, like uh, trash cutting corners. Um, And, you know, he's like, he's like respected for being, you know, that kind. I mean, that's what he did. That was his career, you know, and there was something respectable about that thing. But uh, every, a lot of the people who came out through that generation making movies under Corman ended up going on to doing like great stuff. Huh? Um, so Jeremy, you know who really did not enjoy death proof Death proof? It, or death proof, uh, death race uh-huh. <laughs> is, uh, I'm sure this guy actually liked death proof a lot, but death race 
Roger Ebert uh, <laughs> gave the film half of a star out of four. And this is a quote that cannot be spun positively in any way. He says, death, uh, death race is an assault on all the senses, wow. including common. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now that's good. Uh, yeah. That's real good. So Statham trained so hard for the role that he went from 20% body fat to 6%. It took him three months to do so. That sounds impressive to me, but I also don't really understand body what fat that percentages. Means. Yeah. <laughs> Can I also ask a question about that to you, Eric? Did Statham sure. not seem like he was actually really small in this movie? Like his body? To me, he looked tiny. Hmm. Um, I didn't really get that. Uh, but, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm com- even comparing it to, really, because I don't. I haven't actually seen a lot of Jason Statham's movies. Maybe I'm at t- comparing him to like how he looked in the Italian Job, but like, yeah, to me, he just looked really. He looked really like small, small frame, small build. Hmm. Um. I mean, I definitely when I looked at him, I was like, oh, I could beat this guy up for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's Nine, in every movie he's in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. A total of 35 cars were used during the shoot. They were constantly repaired by a team of 85 mechanics. So that's like more than three mechanics. That's like three mechanics per car. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing the math correctly. <laughs> uh, let's see. To get into fighting shape, Statham trained for three months with an ex-Navy SEAL, one of the key trainers who built the Spartans of 300. Uh, what? Yeah, you've seen Three Hundred, right, Jeremy? Yeah, famous tough guy movie. Yeah, do you like that movie? No. Yeah, me neither. I saw it in theaters though, and I feel like at least if you're gonna see it, that's the way to do it, right? Like, go see it in the big screen or something. I I don't know. I I just remember feeling like I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I just. Not, just didn't something about it rubbed me the wrong way and it, it, it was like it was nice to kind of feel vindicated in that that like Z- Zack Snyder turns out to be like not somebody I respect super much so it's like oh I was kind of even as a young young man I was kind of right hmm. about my my intuition that I'm like this movie's got something <laughs> up about it I don't know what it is and I, to this day I still can't really tell you I guess I just don't like it <laughs> yeah um so, Jeremy, we've got. Uh, I was trying desperately to figure out how I know the 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 bad lady in this movie, the bad. Yeah. You know, and uh, I what I recognize her from is uh, playing a role alongside William H Macy in Pleasantville. Oh, right Joan on. Joan Allen is yeah. in Pleasantville. That's right. Which uh, I'm curious to revisit that movie because it's one of those ones that I like watched a lot when I was, I don't know, maybe 16 or something and really liked. But, uh, you know, I was 16 or whatever. So I wonder if that movie's if that movie's good. I want to say it probably is still good. But I also, think it's a classic. I love Pleasant yeah, Great. Uh, it is a Gary Ross movie. Um, well, wait. 
don't, yeah, know, who, I don't know who Gary Ross is, but sounds good to he me. He wrote Big. Oh. And I feel like he's done. Eh, whatever. He, he, he's done some stuff, I think. Uh, <laughs> cool. uh, let's see here. Four tons of blank ammunition were used, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, probably more than usual. <laughs> Each car cost an estimate uh, of t- 250000 to 300000 to detail for the film. Uh, what do you think of the, I guess, just the overall, like, aesthetic of the, of this film, of the, of the, because this is a very, like, it's very, uh, I guess, what would the, like, bait, it's, like, very, um, it's very gray, right? Yeah, it looks to me like it's, it's a two-hour-long extended Music video for the band Saliva. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I was at any moment. I thought that uh, we could cut to a cut to a scene, and it would be playing uh, that song. I watched you change. Yes. That, uh, yeah. Who is that? Is that Disturbed or uh, mm-hmm. one of those bands? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. That was the one thing I didn't love about uh, this movie. Is uh, I just don't. Like I I I kind of get like the the way it looks I guess matches sort of the tone and I know it's like a futuristic sort of like bleak future kind of a thing mm-hmm. but it kind of like looks ugly to me in a way that uh is un, un, unappealing to me cuz like <laughs> it I looks don't know, ugly you look, to you in a way that's unappealing <laughs> Yeah well yeah, I mean I like it. Like Blade Runner is like a uh, 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 you know a, kind of a dark uh, uh, version of of you know a future like the future, and that movie is like colorful. Uh, it's very pleasing to the eye. Yeah, it's also you know? yeah, but it's a, that's a great point actually you're making because it, it's also because Blade Runner is beautiful, but it's also meant to look like like this is the the slums or whatever these are like the right. the you know the back alleyways and the dark the dark parts of the city this definitely is like the low income neighborhoods but it still looks beautiful but it yeah. is it does look like it's supposed to be gross and shitty but sure. this is just gross and shitty <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh so i don't know let's dive into the plot here we're uh, it's 2012 the collapse of the U.S. economy and the subsequent increase in crime rates leads to the rise of privatized prisons. So I guess th- this is like set in the future, but only like four years in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a weird choice. Uh, one such prison is Terminal Island Penitentiary, whose warden, Claire Hennessy, earns profits from broadcasting Death Race, a vehic- vehicular combat racing series on the Internet. Uh, throughout the season, Terminal Island inmates battle each other in specially modified cars on a track cut into the grounds with the goal of winning their freedom. Um, I feel like this was probably at a time, too, where, uh, like, 2008 is like, oh, like, this is kind of like a cutting-edge, like, story idea is, like, they're, like, not only are they doing this death races, but they're, like, putting it, it's, like, on the internet. Yeah, yeah, it it's it's weird because it it like it 
take immediately takes an incredibly cynical view of human beings and the world. I mean, okay. So first off, I want to say this is also sort of the premise of Hunger Games, right? Which yeah. is like it's like a death match or whatever that Japanese film that came out that's like everyone's on an island trying to kill to kill each other to win. It's also kind of a Hunger Games idea premise whatever. Anyway, so this is like it's that, but also like we kind of know already from living in the year 2021 that like that isn't how this would go. <laughs> like like I don't know if you've noticed, but like hum- human beings seem to be actually getting more and more like sensitive about violence and like don't want to see like actual human beings killing each other. Like like we haven't moved towards that as a society. Uh and I don't think we're going to. So that's no. a, to me, my suspension of disbelief is already kind of out the window. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, just look at Twitter. Like people don't like this. If people like <laughs> if people like show that they're like insensitive or like inhumane, like they get like blasted <laughs> in public. They don't get like celebrated or we don't like root for right. them, you know? So it's sort of like, it's a weird concept to immediately have to think about. Because they also are using social media as a way to sort of like, like there's almost like satirizing our our world, right? By being like, this is what it'll all lead to, all your social medias and whatnot, you know? Yeah, it is a little like it was one. Of, it's one of those premises where I was like, I don't think this is a movie that I really care to like <laughs> think too deeply about what, <laughs> even if they are trying to say something, but it's, yeah, I kind I, yeah, I kind of am just like, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, exactly. I don't like, I, I, I sort of hope that, you know, Paul W. S. Anderson was, wasn't trying to like make some sort of big point, I guess. Cause I don't really <laughs> know what it is if, if he was, but other than just, it's just kind of like an interesting like view of the world, I guess. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, look at the NFL. Like, the NFL has progressed over, like, you know, 60-whatever years from, like, guys just wearing, like, a piece of leather around their head. Yeah. To, um... Uh, I'm to, pretty sure they to, did that. In the early no, yeah, NFL. they call them leather, leather heads. Actually, CTE they, is like a yeah. huge deal, and there's like people that even swear that like the NFL is going to end, you know, in the near future and stuff. So yeah, you're right. I don't like this. Is like definitely does not accurately predict like how human beings are going to like, you know, I don't think people are going to enjoy uh, watching like people battle to the death or anything yeah this whole like we're gonna be go back to gladiator times it's like it's just weirdly paranoid in a way that feels like libertarian to me or something (laughs) but but it isn't but like i kind of get like i also do like it as a science fiction premise like so i'm not like i don't want to hate on it too much because i'm like whatever gets us into the cars baby you know that's fine with me but i it's also like it's also just a little a little strange. It's like, huh, I don't know. Don't know if it'd go this way. <laughs> um, so toward the end of the race, a masked driver nicknamed Frankenstein is nearing the finish line, pursued by his rival, Machine Gun Joe. Uh, his navigator case uh, reports 
his navigator, Case, reports that all of his defensive equipment has malfunctioned. Against her protest, Frankenstein refuses to let Joe finish first. Uh, Case ejects herself out of the car just before Joe destroys it as it crosses the finish line. Um, industrial worker and ex-con Jensen Ames struggles to support his family. When the steel mill he works at is closed, he returns home to his wife, Susie, and their newborn daughter, Piper. I will say, like, I don't dis dislike this, uh, I guess, um, like, setup of of this Jensen Ames guy and, like, the... This version of the future, I mean, it's like terror. This would suck to like live in this situation, but uh, like this is more of a future that I could see as like people just like desperate for work and and getting you know, um, like he's not even like 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 barely even getting paid. Like not only is he get are they all getting laid off, but they're like barely getting paid and stuff, mm-hmm. and everyone's obviously like starving and starved for work and. I like how you can tell he's a good guy, and the way you could tell he's a good guy is because he tells his friends about a job at the docks. (laughs) Oh, right, yeah. (laughs) It's like one Uh, of those things in in screenwriting where you're like, it's like a save the cat, right, where you have to like establish the character is good or something, so it's like, well, we got to have him do something early on so the audience doesn't think he's a psychopath. (laughs) It's like, how about if he tells his friends, hey, I heard about a job at the docks, and they're like, Thanks, Buster. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A masked... Let's see. When the steel mill he worked at is closed, he returns home to his wife, Susie, and their newborn daughter. Piper, a masked assailant, knocks him unconscious. Jensen wakes up with a bloodied knife in his hand. Uh, Susie dead nearby and policemen storming into his home and arresting him. He is sentenced to life imprisonment while Piper is placed in foster care. Um, do you think Piper was named after the fish song Piper? Probably. Yeah, I would and I so. am pretending to know what that is. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Two thousand three. We got you know. I think there was like a twenty-six minute long Piper. Listen wow. to it. I think it was from November. Uh, six months later, Jensen is transferred to Terminal Island Prison. Uh, Hennessy's right-hand man Ulrich calls Jensen to her office. So I can't remember before he gets to the prison. Is he set up as a guy who knows how to drive? No, I don't think he is. Right? No, they, I feel like they, that could have yeah. helped Maybe. if we saw him like being good at driving a car before he gets to prison. You know, because then right. it. I, because I feel like there's a point after he gets to prison where we kind of get this like. Sort of like exposition dump of like, oh, you're like, you're one of the best drivers in the world, and yeah, yeah, and you're one of the best, and we're yeah. gonna, you know, I think I think they could have like it would have you know an action movie they could have had him like doing something in the in the beginning, maybe even showing him driving like, um, you know, back in his like heyday or whatever. Um, but I yeah I don't know I just it just feels like a missed opportunity, but. Uh, Jensen accepts the offer and meets Frankenstein's maintenance crew consisting of Coach, Gunner, and Lists. They explain to Jensen that Hennessy wants him to become Frankenstein 
to rebuild the profits and audience of Death Race, which has uh, halved since Frankenstein's disappearance. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, le- real quick, the rules of Death Race are like every driver gets a girl. I didn't understand quite that. I will say I don't really. Uh, I didn't really follow the rules either. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> I don't really know. Yeah. I Well, I was just confused when all those women showed up. Like, I know that we're kind of going to get there here in a bit, but it was like, I didn't understand what it was going on from the beginning because I thought, yeah, anyway, so I didn't understand what was going on from the beginning. I thought, like, I thought they were just like driving partners, but then you kind of come to find out it's like, they're like companions or something like they need to be there. I I don't know why they need to be there though. They like help the driver. Um Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Wingman kind of a thing, but Yeah, I guess so. Um let's see. Gunner list. Uh on the first day of the 3 of the 3-day race, uh Jensen meets Case. During the race, his vehicle's defensive equipment again mysteriously malfunctions. Jensen is distracted and blindsided by Joe when he sees Pachenko perform the same hand gesture at him as the masked assailant, causing Jensen to realize it was Pachenko who killed his wife. Uh, Jensen confronts Pachenko uh, and attacks him after the race, prompting Pachenko to admit Hennessy ordered him to frame Jensen so he she can have a replacement for Frankenstein. Uh, on the second day, Jensen threatens to eject Case unless she tells the truth about the malfunctions. Uh, Case admits she sabotaged Frankenstein's car to help him from winning and leaving Death Race in exchange for her release papers. Um, yeah, she's like brutally honest with him. After he kind of like presses her on it, and I'm kind of still going, why are they? Why is she here? <laughs> uh, but also, this Pachenko guy, like there, there is something interesting in here about like all of these crimes and all this bloodbath. It's all like, it's all the 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 fault of, uh. What's what's her name? Uh, the warden, Hennessy. Hennessy. Yeah, yeah, it's all the it's all the fault of Hennessy. Like Hennessy, like made this guy go kill his wife so she could get him into prison. And I'm kind of like, you know, there's an there's an alternate version of this where Pachenko is actually a very sympathetic character too. I mean, he's a dirtbag in this, but. Like, there's, like, it's, like, it sucks. The plight of everyone in Death Race really blows. Yeah. Um, Jensen then makes Pachenko's car slam head-on into a concrete barrier and <laughs> exits the car to break Pachenko's neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's and intense. that's a Paul W.S. Anderson thing, if I've ever seen it, right? <laughs> sure. Which is, like, just, like, executing... The main character just executes a guy... And you're just like, wow, that wouldn't be in another movie. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> he and Joe then collaborate to destroy a multi-weapon tanker truck added to boost ratings. 
uh, by the end of the second race, all racers except Jensen and Joe are killed. Hennessy orders Ulrich to plant a bomb underneath Jensen's car in case he wins. Knowing she can always find another person to impersonate Frankenstein, uh, Jensen, who has realized Hennessy never intended to let anyone win their freedom from the start, approaches Joe after the race, suggesting they talk. Uh, so, Jeremy, we're on to the final race. Uh, the final uh, death race, you mean? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, Jensen and Joe collaborate again, destroying and driving through a weekend wall. A weekend wall? A weekend wall. Weekend that's, a, wall. that's a wall you go hang out on the weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Hennessy activates the bomb, not knowing it was removed and disam- uh, disassembled by Coach. Uh, she orders helicopters to pursue, though Jensen jumps out of the car as Case takes his place. Case is captured while Joe and Jensen escape on a freight train. Uh, Hennessy later opens a present sent due to record-breaking ratings, uh, finding it to be the bomb she planted on Jensen's car. I like this. Yeah. This was kind of cool. Um... Coach detonates the bomb, killing Hennessy and Ulrich. Uh, six months and 2,000 miles later, Shit, uh, Joe and so Jensen corny. reunite with Piper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are shown, it's 2,000 miles because it's, it's a racing movie. Uh, <laughs> are shown working in Mexico as mechanics and are soon reunited with Case. Right. And the same dirtbag pop song plays when she gets out of her car. And of course, like every woman in this film, besides the villain, has like just a banging bod. And it's like, Apparently. and it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it to me, the over sexualization of of this is of this film is like really transparent. It's like you don't you you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to. It's not Baywatch. You know what I mean? Like, like. We get it. Like we can see that she's pretty, and you don't have to like dress her like that or shoot. You know, Michael Bay has this problem too, right? With like Megan Fox and those Transformers movies of like, it's like, yeah, she's gorgeous. We we can see that. You don't have to like work that hard <laughs> to get us to see <laughs> that she's an attractive woman. Yeah, there's that scene where she. Um I forget what the even situation was where she, they're driving and she like has to sit on Jason Statham's lap. Yes. It's kind of mm-hmm. earlier on and I'm like, what are we We all know what's going on here. We know right. that you're just like you're just doing that you're just putting like a provocative thing in a in an action movie. We've all we we know we know the trick. It's like mm, Yeah. I don't know. I yeah, I agree with you. I'm so I mean, you know, again, Kind of like a a movie for for uh, teenage boys, yeah, teenage boys, yeah. But for sure. uh, yeah. you know, Jeremy, what do you think of uh, the movie Death Race? I don't hate this movie. I don't love this movie. I think it is on the it is definitely on the higher side of how I feel about Paul W S Anderson stuff. Um, I think like we kind of just talked a lot about exactly my, my foibles with the film and that it, that it's a little transparent 
feels a little bit like a knockoff of a lot of other movies. There's not enough like cool, unique shit in here to like really get me to like ever want to watch it again, even for fun. Like, you know, I think Eric, one of the motivations for doing Paul W.S. Anderson stuff is I think we're kind of looking for more like, you know, drunk movies, like movies to throw on after the bar, you know, like that we could throw on with our friends. Like, I, I think that's like kind of the basis for our podcast originally. Like, like we'd covered all the Chucky movies because they're like movies you would definitely throw on after the bar, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Like this, right. I, you know, this movie I could see, you know, watching with some buddies, you're just throwing it on that, you know, it's like on, like it's halfway through on like the fuse channel or something. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, this is kind of funny to just have on in the background. Yeah. But you know, like soldiers, like some of these movies, I'm just like, yeah, I, yeah. They're they're not they're not even like yes I know what you're mean they're just, they're just not they're just not fun in any way right they're um, not they're not yeah. interesting they're not visually that stimulating you know you brought up Death Proof that is that the Tarantino movie that's like mm-hmm. got Kurt Russell yeah so that's like the that's like a good version of this where it's right. like a psycho you know driving around cool driving. The girls all have to go beat him up, you know. It's like it's like oh yeah, that, that's like a that's like the best drunk after the bar put on a crazy movie for your friends. This to me, I would never probably put this on again. But at the same time, it ain't no event horizon. So I'm gonna give it two point seven five Chucky Freckles oh, out of four. Bad. Yeah, it's exactly what I gave Alien versus Predator. I think I like this movie as much as Alien versus Predator. I might bring these scores down to 2.5s, but uh, so far, I li- I know I like them the same, so they're going to sit at 2.75 for now. Um, you know, Jeremy, I... Yeah, I guess I I just like I I, I guess I said uh, up top that I you know I just don't think that this movie is this is not my kind of movie. This is not a this is not a movie I would really prob I definitely would never have watched this movie if we um, were not doing this podcast. And it's not necessarily a movie that I'm like oh I'm glad that I like ended up having having to watch that because I you know I could have done without it, but <laughs> at the same time. Uh, Definitely better than some of the Paul W.S. Anderson movies. You know, I'm looking at the scores I've given him. Uh, Shopping, which was one that I kind of thought I liked at first, has a 1.5 for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Soldier has a 1. Uh, Mortal Kombat, though, we have a 3.5 there. Uh, I just don't know. I, I, I just... Uh, I'm going to I'm going to rate this movie like based on, you know, what it's advertising and what you're getting from it. And I think you're getting pretty much exactly uh exactly what it's put, you know, what what it's telling you you're going to get. Even just the name Death Race. You're like this is this is what, you know, is it's a race to the death. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but at the same time I also like just could, would be fine if this movie did not exist. So I'm gonna like factor though factoring those two things into the equation. I'm gonna give this movie a two point five. Uh, no, wow. two point two five. Oh wow! So it's not that great. Holy but, shit! Uh, <laughs> that went down in record time. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I was trying to uh, 
sometimes I have a tough time, especially with Paul W. S. Anderson movies. Like how low trying do you to go? figure out <laughs> if my rating should be like because if I'm going on my own personal experience and like beliefs and things, You're right? I I I don't like these movies very much, uh, except for Mortal Kombat. I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, you liked Resident Evil, okay? I liked the Resident Evil, okay? Um, yeah, I gave Resident Evil a two point two five as well. So yeah, I think, yeah. I, I'm gonna drop my score down to two point five. Actually, <laughs> I'm gonna drop uh, Death Race down to two point five and Alien vs Predator down to two point five because I realize Fantastic <laughs> Mr Fox has a three, and I'm like. I don't like Fox 0.25 more than Death Race. I like it a whole 0.5 more. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We should have an o- a whole episode at the end of this, by the way, where we just go through and like, yeah. really fine tune our scores. <laughs> we need to have a supercut of all the times we've changed our scores. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> a timeline of uh, yeah, how it's changed. Um. So, Jeremy, next week we are back to Wes Anderson, and uh, I believe we are doing um, Moonrise Kingdom. That is so correct. Bring your compass. I'm excited to bust uh, out my, my Criterion Collection Blu-ray. You know, I have all oh, of them nice. now. I have all the Andersons. Uh, Criterion Blu-ray Andersons, including Paul's uh, Punch Drunk Love on Blu-ray now. So Love it. Happy to own them. Um, and, uh, yeah, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We are, um, at this point, we will have just released our, our first episode on, on SNL. We're going, we're, um, we're at least thinking about doing, doing some of the, uh, some of the older SNL episodes now that they're on Peacock. Uh, so we started with the, uh, Kyle McLaughlin episode. I believe it's the first episode of season 16 or something like that from 1990. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for that and a bunch of bonus episodes. We also just did uh, an episode on all of the, a lot of the Wes Anderson commercials. Um, we did an episode on sort of the films coming out in 2021. We all, we do all sorts of stuff over there, Jeremy. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to it. I, I checked it out <laughs> once and it, it was pretty good. I'm a big um, fan. I'm a huge fan. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the one who does it. I'm a right. big fan because it's good. Uh, so anyway, Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.